Hi, and welcome to the Wealthy Travel Agent Podcast, where our mission is to bring you inspiring messages to help you become the wealthy travel agent from people just like you who have succeeded in selling travel. I'm your host, Dan Chappelle, the leading authority on selling and sales management in the travel industry and author of the Amazon best-selling book, Get Your Ship Together, The Wealthy Travel Agent Guide to Sales, which is available internationally on Amazon and also on Audible if you like to listen to them that way. I want to throw a disclaimer out here. The opinions expressed in this podcast are strictly those of your host and your guests that you have on board here. And so today I would like to welcome Ms. Lynn Clark of Journeys Travel Group, a travel leaders franchise in the Milwaukee area. I've talked to uh, frontline agents. I've talked to uh, host agency and franchise executives. And I brought Lynn on so she could share with you the perspective of uh, where this uh pandemic is going with her organization as part of a retail franchise operation. So Lynn, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Dan. I'm thrilled to be here. So how are you doing? Well, it has been quite a wild ride for the last nine weeks. There is no question about that. You know, many, some highs, lots of lows, but overall, I would say myself and the team were faring pretty good. We've, we've still got our passion for the business and, of course, for helping our clients. So we're on a good path. So tell us about your story. How you sure. got into, into travel and, and to where you are today? So I've been in the travel industry 26 years, and I've really been on multiple sides or facets of it. I started in operations at Walt Disney World in merchandise and basically worked my way into travel industry sales and marketing. So that's really where I first got the taste of the true travel industry. And my job at that time was actually taking travel agents all over the Walt Disney World resort properties and teaching them about them. So I was kind of yeah, I was that fam person that took you around. At the time, this is back in the 90s, I could tell you everything about every resort and room type and you name it. So that's how I first got into the travel industry. And then I ended up, um, after I left the, the fams area, I went into marketing. I've always been in marketing roles. I have an MBA in marketing. Like That has always been my passion. So I left uh, Disney in Florida, and then I went back to where I'm from, which is Minneapolis, and I went to work for Carlson Bogganley Travel. That's actually where I met you, of course. Yep, we, were, yep. we were both there at the same time. I was in a marketing role, and so I was there about eight years, and then I was ready for something new. So my journey brought me here to Milwaukee, and I worked for the Mark Travel Corporation for six years. Again, in marketing roles, I worked on the FunJet uh, Southwest Vacations and United Vacations portfolio. And then I also, while I was there, I worked for Tricep Solutions for a few years. That is the company behind Vax Vacation Access, which we all know and love. So that was really cool as well. So I, between those two roles at FunJet and then at Tricep, I really spent a lot of time, again, out on the road with travel agents at conferences or in travel agency locations. And during that time, I also decided that I really wanted to get out of corporate America. And um, I, I've always wanted to own my own business. And, you know, with, with my expertise being in travel, it just seemed like a natural fit to um, either start a travel agency or buy into a travel agency. And my now business partner, Annette Youngbauer, she had always been a member of Carlson and then Travel Leaders as a franchisee, so I had gotten to know her when I was working at headquarters. 
And with her being here in Milwaukee, we, we stayed connected socially. And in one of our dinners that we were doing, I, I asked her, you know, so how's the business? How's everything going? And she said to me, oh my God, would you believe I'm going to turn 70 next year? And I was like, oh, because she is seriously the most vibrant, like coolest, like tech savvy, like you would never guess, right? And I said, well, what are you going to do with the bi- about the business? And she's like, I don't know. She's like, if you would buy it, that would solve all my problems. And I, of course, laughed. I was like, ha, ha, ha. That's such a funny idea that, you know, thinking in my mind, that'll never happen. Well, about a year later, I contacted her and I said, do you remember when you said this? And she goes, honestly, no, I don't remember saying that. (laughs) She said, but the truth is I wouldn't have said it even as a joke or a quip if I wasn't comfortable with it. So we just kind of started talking and it took a while. It took about two years to kind of figure it out. We kind of came to the dance and went home separately two or three times. And then basically in the end, we formed a partnership is how we did it. So it is an earn out, but um, we started it as a partnership so that she could mentor me and I could learn from her and it could be kind of a slower transition. So it's basically a five-year earn out and I'm almost two and a half years into that. So you're her transition plan, which is- Yes, her exit strategy. Her exit strategy. And then you come in and and have a, you know, viable business to work with. And so speaking of viable business, how has, uh, you know, let's be frank here, this hasn't been fun for anybody, but, you know, especially, you know, you have, uh, what, four retail locations. Correct. Yes. Um, And uh, I believe you had- uh, Close to 30 employees? Yeah, uh, uh, 21. 21, 21 employees. W2'd employees, yep. Wow, so how, how has this affected the retail business and what do you see as far as the future of what you do? Yeah, it definitely is, you know, it's been on one hand pretty devastating. On another hand, I also see it as opportunity, right, to really kind of evolve the business and kind of see our way through it. So you're correct. We we have four retail locations and as of March 18th, all of them were closed to the public and we sent everyone home to work from home. So this was a pretty big switch, right, in our mindset because we obviously believe in retail locations and we right. We pay the rent and utilities to have them. And all of a sudden, because Wisconsin went under a stay-at-home order, in effect, um, really, we're not essential, although our clients probably think we are. But, you know, to the state, we're not essential. So we had to send everyone home. And I was grateful that we had such a technology-advanced operation. You know, we use um, Skype for business, which is voice over IP. So we could tell people, take your machines, take your headsets, and we're going to change basically our call routing and we're all just going to be instead of four different call groups, we're going to roll us all together and we can do this. You know, within two days, we we're completely set up at home. And the message I put out to our clients through, you know, email, Facebook, in the physical locations is we're here to serve you. We're open for business just differently. And so we did change our operating hours. We scaled that back a little bit. And then we did unfortunately have two rounds of layoffs. So we're down from 21 people now down to nine, which is pretty substantial. Um, We kind of did a first uh, cut, if you will, and thought that would be enough. And then two weeks into it, as you know, everything's been such a moving target. Right. As far as, you know, at first it was just, it looked like just really cruising would be impacted. 
And we were like, please, dear God, get our sun and fun spring breakers and Easter people out and off on their trips. Well, within a few weeks, we saw that was going to be impacted too. I've explained to people outside of the industry that really this was kind of a perfect storm for us as far as when this hits, because we make about 40% of our revenue in March and April. Right. So to have it hit during the most revenue generating time, that's where kind of the devastation to the business comes in. If this had happened in June, you know, or October, we would be in a much different position. So we basically now, as I said, we're down to nine people on the payroll. And basically how we're running our leisure operation is we have five leisure agents and me, and each of those agents are working one day a week. And I went to that model because I wanted, you know, sure, I could have just picked maybe two agents and laid everybody else off and we could have just handled it. But I want my business to be there on the other side. And my business is my team or my agents. And so I wanted to come up with a way where they still had regular contact with their clients and their clients knew when they were going to be in the office. And just to set up some kind of, like, I'm a big believer in, you know, some kind of new sense of normalcy. Even all of this feels like somebody took our world and tipped it upside down, but how do we, you know, set up a schedule and kind of some normalcy so our customers know what to expect mm -hmm. and they know that we're here. So what are, what are your customers saying? The majority of the interactions that we have are very, very positive. They are so grateful that we're answering the phones. I, um, I did a post last week of some pictures of some of us from working at home. And I said, you know, we're, we're here again, we're still open just differently. Uh, we're here to serve you. And there's zero hold times. And that is the truth. In these nine weeks, our clients have never been on hold to get a hold of us. They call and someone answers the phone. I mean, how reassuring is that when well, you think it's about reassuring it? reassuring and rare. It's, it's right. <laughs> I really pride myself on that because we take our clients' vacations very seriously. I mean, this is hard-earned time, hard-earned dollars, and we want them to have a good experience. And the last thing we want them to feel is that, you know, they don't know what's happening with their trip or they can't get answers. I mean, obviously, you've had a lot more money going out the door than coming in. Have you been able to take advantage of any of the federal assistance programs? Yes, thankfully, we have. We uh, applied for the economic disaster loan uh, really the first couple days that program was open. We did apply for that. And then we also applied for the PPP loan program. And that was a little more challenging, definitely um, took some pure perseverance on that one. We're a part of the, the TAMS groups, the Travel Agent um, Management Solutions groups. Mm -hmm. And through our TAMS affiliation, we got connected with a bank in Salt Lake City of all places, just like a regional bank in Salt Lake City. And within a week of getting connected to them and applying and everything, we were approved by the SBA. That's awesome. So yes, so thankfully um, we got that. Um, one of the things we're doing differently, and this has been a great debate within our TAMS members, like in our um, group, there's 12 agencies in there and we talk almost every day. As you know, for PPP forgiveness, you have to basically you know, hire all your staff back, pay them for 40 hours, you know, and that basically would, would last you about two and a half months. And there are some agency owners that are doing that, but we have chosen really to look more at the long view 
and to stretch that out for as long as we can. Because to your point about, you know, a lot of money going out and really no money coming in, I think we're going to be operating like this. Originally, I thought through August. Now everything I'm reading is pretty much for the rest of 2020. Like yeah, I, I would, I would tend to agree with that. I think that okay, you know, you know the opportunity uh, for uh, short-term travel is going to be domestically. Uh, right. You should be focusing on 2021 for international or, or cruises or what have. Right. Um, I mean, it's just it's as you said, it's a moving target. You know, the virus will make the timeline. Mm-hmm. Not, not the administration or the local government or anything, right. you know, or the cruise line executives or the tour operators. The, the virus is going to do it. Until there's a vaccine or, or a cure, then we're at that mercy right now. So we just, right. just adapt as we go. Um, how has Travel Leaders helped you through this? Because you, you've got a strong affiliation with yes. that organization. Yeah, they have been great. You know, one of the things that they did, like I said, I think we shut down the locations and everybody went home around March 18th. And I think the next day or two, I remember there was a webinar that Roger Block and John Lovell put on. And really, it was all about their advice was, you know, the need to you need to make decisions quickly, and you need to make cuts deeply, because it's all about, you know, conserving cash right. right now. And I think it was really commendable that they did that webinar and that training so quickly because I think a lot of people you know your tendency is to kind of like sit back and wait right question is it really going to be that bad should I really be you know making those kinds of decisions at this point and so that I thought was really good reinforcement from them early on and um, for for our agency for Annette and I being part of the TAMS group we had actually done an exercise last November and it's funny now when I think about it basically the exercise was imagine that next year you suffer a 20% decrease in sales how are you going to manage your business through that and at the time it felt like 20% are they crazy you know and now here we are sitting close to for March through June we're pretty much at 95% of our sales have gone away so even having done that exercise last in November made it easier for us to act quickly i think that uh you know t- to your point about the webinar that uh Roger and John did that's where i think experience comes into play because mm-hmm. both uh, have been in the in the industry for a very long time and right. been through the Gulf War, been through the uh, 9-11, been through all of that. So they've seen what how you should react to that. Mm-hmm. It's not so much of a reaction, more of a it's a it's a quick yeah. process. And then this is what we have to do to save the business. And that's right. That's where we want to come in. But I, I will commend you for keeping the jobs, keeping them working one day a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that is uh you know, you keep your staff because that's what it is. As this right. rolls out, I mean, it's not going to be a flip the switch and everybody comes, but right. it's as you roll out of this, I think it's, uh, you know, you're going to, you're going to see particularly a huge pent up demand at first. Right. Sure. Right. And, and keeping your people on and keeping employed and, and my hat's off to you on that one. So let's, um, let's shift gears a little bit. Um, you know, I'm, I'm hearing a lot, uh, some of the suppliers are, are, are a little slow in making their commission payments and refunds. Have you experienced any of that? Yes, definitely. I, I think we can all empathize with them, right? This is unprecedented volume as far as refunds and things go. We know that they've had layoffs at a headquarters level, you know, having worked at 
FunJet in the past, like I know how big their accounting team is. And for them all of a sudden to have to be processing 50,000 refunds, you know, I get it. The pipeline is clogged, right? And they've got to just work on it and kind of get and through it. And it's probably it. not as automated as most people think. Right, right, exactly. And we're talking about, we don't want any mistakes, right? We're talking about putting money back on people's credit cards. It has right. to be done, you know, perfectly. So, you know, we have seen that definitely on the cruise side. Again, you know, those have been slow. Those refunds have been slow. Um, I do feel like our relationships with our reps have helped us in a couple of cases uh, with those. I think now more than ever, those relationships with suppliers are important. And um, I know one of the things, you know, for me, it's it's been um definitely a, a shift in how I operate, right? As the agency owner in the past, I'm thinking about strategy and the staffing and marketing and sales training and all of those like business issues. Right. Well, for nine weeks now, I've been really handling a lot of client, you know, refunds, rebooks, you know, that kind of stuff. And one of the things I've really pushed myself to do is to be proactively connecting with our suppliers. So my, my goal is two a week, either a phone call, a Zoom call, and I really think that's helped, for example, with Celebrity Cruises. I have a great rep also named Dan, um, Daniel Katz. And, um, you know, just staying connected with him. And he's willing to go to bat for us. You know, when you have, we've had some, some scenarios where we've had, you know, five, six cabins that grandma paid for. You know, that's a, that's a, a big chunk of money that she's right. waiting to get back. It's been slower than any of us would like. Um, you know, we explain it to our clients as far as why it's taking so long. And, you know, I, I think more than anything, just having empathy and, you know, telling them you hear them and you understand and you're using all your resources to help them. You know, I think that's the best that we can do right now. Yeah. I mean, big picture, it, if you think about entire seasons being canceled, I mean, that's millions of dollars in right. deposits and, and, I think, yeah, showing some empathy and then asking for a little patience. Right. Uh, yes. You know, and I think the cruise lines in particular have really stepped up throughout all of this. And, and they, they realize that the, the agency distribution system is, you know, their primary mm -hmm. source. And so they are doing their best to take care of that. And, and I feel they responded quickly. Their top executives do coffee chats. And I really feel like their actions have followed their words as far as they really are there for agents. Right. Yeah, I, I, I would tend to agree with that. So um, what percentage would you say are taking the cash versus the tour credit? It's, it's funny. Um, I can tell you exactly having done that exercise <laughs> with ALG. So about 19% are taking the credits. And, you know, I'm not surprised by that. I wish it were higher. Yeah. But you know, knowing um, the kind of consumer confidence level right now and the consumer psyche, you know, we've all been brought down to the lowest level of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? It's all about safety, shelter, food, you know, we, we can't rise up to the other levels till we feel like our basics are covered. And for, I mean, we all know the unemployment numbers. I think it's something like one in four households now. I think it's, all, it's, it's around 30 million people have filed okay. unemployment now. Right. And, and so, of course, I, I understand, you know, people just feel more secure. They feel better if they can get that money back in their bank account. I mean, I can't blame them. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 we're doing the same thing. I mean, cause we don't know how long this is going to last. So, you know, we're pooling our resources and, and say, okay, what do we have? 
uh, and you know, if this, if this is pro prolonged, which I think right. it will be, you know, what what do we have in place to get us through the next six months to a year? Right. And you know, a lot of folks have seen with the market tanking, uh, and particularly if you're investing in travel stocks. Well, you know, <laughs> you, I don't need to say much about that. Right. Or, right. Or oil yeah. Stocks or anything else like that. Mm-hmm. So depending on where you're, I know my uh, my retirement fund is down about 30%, I think. Uh, and it's a fairly yeah, conservative same. one too. Mm-hmm. So what's next? I mean, what, what do you think, what is, what do you think your business is going to look like going forward? You know, in, in all of this, I think I said it earlier is, you know, I try to look for the good and kind of how can we evolve. And I do think just from a pure kind of cash flow and expense standpoint, I do think our business will look different in that we'll have fewer locations. You know, it is a lot of overhead to have a retail location. And I think that we're already, we're just looking at all of our leases and kind of trying to put a game plan together. And so I think, you know, just like there's going to be consolidation in the industry for, for my business you know, there's going to be consolidation as far as how we operate. And um, it's just going to take time to build back up again. So, you know, where we were in January, you know, it's probably going to take two years to get back to that same, you know, productivity level. You're not going to flip that switch. It's it's going to be a gradual progression uh, to to get to those levels. And it's, and it's just, it's the consumer, the consumer brand at all. Right. And uh, to my point earlier about kind of the timing of this perfect storm. So Wisconsin right now they're saying is going to kind of reopen in phases starting in June. Well, that's summer is our slowest time for sales because, you know, it's nice here. Everybody's either already going on their cruises or the European vacations or going up north to the cabin. So nobody's really kind of thinking about booking travel in June, July and August. And so you know, just because our state's going to be reopened, that doesn't necessarily mean we're going to open the retail locations, you know, to a full schedule to the full extent that we were at before, because it it just doesn't make sense. I mean, of course, we, we want to continue to be here and service our clients and through that build the relationship with them. And yes, of course, you know, we also need to be working on prospecting and kind of the future of the business. But I think we're going to be slower to reopen than say a restaurant or a hair salon, because as you know, when we open our doors, we don't start making money. Right. You know, we, we only make money when they pay the, the upfront fees, but really the bulk of the money is made when they travel. Speaking of when they travel, how are your bookings looking for 21 and 22? Um, we, that is a great question. The rebooking that I have had happen has primarily been for fall. So kind of that October through December timeframe. Yes. Which I think, you know, could be at risk. No question. We could end up moving that again. Um, For 2021, we are definitely seeing a lot of the Alaska and med cruises just shift, obviously, because they have to, to 2021. Um, And then we had some, uh, quite a few uh, custom groups scheduled this year that are all moving. So we have a women's trip to Portugal that'll be moving. We had... 40 some cabins on the beautiful new Celebrity Edge. That group will be moving. Um, We've got some smaller uh, boutique type groups. I I think it'll all end up moving and, and, you know, hopefully we can entice our clients to hang in there with us and, and move it to 2021. 
So it's not, it's not that it's go, the business is going away. It's shifting. Right. Yes, shifting. definitely shifting. Yeah. And I do, I do see, you know, we, there's a lot of talk about pent up demand and I, I do see that there are definitely those, you know, kind of those early adopters that I do feel when, when they're told they can travel again, they will. I just think what I'm already seeing is that let's say if you think about the, the buying process of travel, let's say from the point that they contacted us in the past to the point when they actually made the purchase decision, previously that was maybe about two to three weeks. I think that's going to extend. Last two questions. And then okay. uh, these are the questions I ask of everyone as we come through <laughs> here. So <laughs> considering your journey <laughs> to get to where you are today, um, number one, do you regret it in any way, shape, or form? Absolutely um, not. Yeah. I, most of us that are in travel, you know, we, we take it, we take the punches and we do it because we love it and we're yes. here and, and we know it will rebound. But what are three things that you wish you knew uh, before you got into the retail side that, that you know now? Well, I think the first one is the wisdom to know that everything that I tried new, you know, as I wanted to grow and evolve the business. And Annette had built a great business and a great team, but I saw opportunity, which is why I wanted to buy it. So I think just having the wisdom to know that everything is going to take longer than you want it to. And it's, uh, it takes a lot of discipline to stay focused and to commit to the cause versus kind of jumping and hopping around. Yeah. And so I did, I did a little bit of dabbling when I first got on this side because I was excited and, you know, I didn't have to get 14 layers of approval to do anything. But then, you know, over time, you know, a, a year or so into it, of course, I started to see what really worked. And so just having the, the knowledge or the permission even to some degree that, hey, things are going to take longer than you think and you're not a failure because it didn't, you know, happen in three months because it, it really took nine or 12, you know, so I'm naturally a very impatient person. So <laughs> I yeah, want things to happen. The, the two things that most people underestimate is how long it's going to take and how much yes. it's going to cost. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, the other thing I, I would say, I wish I had known, you know, this is from a, a leadership standpoint and um, you know, my whole career was in marketing, not sales. Um, then coming into this role, as you know, and as you teach and as you coach others all the time on this, you know, it is a sales oriented business and you have to have that sales mindset. And we have a lot of great uh, data. We do production reports on a monthly basis. All agents get them. Our compensation is a, is a, like a base plus commission model based on right. performance goals. Um, so we do a really good job with the data, but um, not maybe such a good job on the sale on the regular sales coaching and mentoring and really like, okay, so here's where you are against your peers or here's the, you know, the types of goals, you know, to grow this business, to grow your book of business. So um, I think uh, there's an, there's a line that Annette always says, you have to inspect what you expect. You know, and I think I, you know, along what I'd wish I'd known is just having more of a focus on that, mm -hmm. on that real sales, you know, management piece. Yeah. 
Um, let's see. And then the third thing, you know, I, I thought about things like what if there's another terror attack or what if we, the economy goes into a recession or what if there's an ash cloud? You know, I thought of all these like really terrible things that could happen at the business. And honestly, pandemic was never one of them. <laughs> and so, you know, I guess yeah. I just wish I'd known um, that, you know, something really could happen and it could take things down quickly. I think that's what's been so surprising to me. When I think about March 5th to now, I never would have imagined it could happen that quickly. Yeah. Now what what could I have what could I have really done differently? Maybe just been more prepared, you know, acted faster, made faster decisions, but you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. So all we well, can do to, is to be fair, you know, it, it's one thing to react against a uh, a situation and then have options. There are no options here. You know, the in the world is shut down. It's not just right. travel. I mean, look at my hair. I, I mean, <laughs> this is my new look. My 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 your COVID look. My COVID look. You know, with the beard and the but the long hair. I've never had hair like this. Yeah, that's the reality of it. Is I can't go to the barber shop. You right. You know, the, the, I, I can't get on a cruise ship. I can't really get on an airplane. You can't get in a hotel. I can't go to Las Vegas. I can go to Las Vegas, but there's no hotels open. Right, you know, so right. The, our industry is shut down, so there are no options there to, to go to. So, you know, I think, you know, from what I'm hearing from you, you, you've actually done a very commendable job. You know, the business comes first, save the business, you save the jobs. Uh, yeah, as, as much as you can, and and are continuing to do that. So you know, my hats off to you there. Finally, I want to ask you one last question, and then we'll wrap it up. And I ask this of everybody because uh, everybody has a different meaning. What is your definition of the wealthy travel agent? I think the most important uh, quality or aspect you need for this job in this industry is passion. So if you can keep the passion for travel, the passion for learning, the passion for connecting with others, whether it's your clients or suppliers, and really be an advocate for our industry, I think that makes you a wealthy travel agent. And of course, being business minded, I have to bring in driving revenue, you know, <laughs> at the end of the day. We're not going to have a business and we're not going to employ people and pay local taxes and donate to the, you know, the local baseball team and you know the different things that we support in our communities unless we're driving the revenue so if you can stay focused you know manage your business so that um on the you know very thin margins that we have that you can continue to drive that revenue all while employing the people and you know keeping all of that going you know I think to me that that's the definition, you know, wealth is many things. It's not just making money. It's, are you passionate and are you supporting your, your team and your community? Yeah. You know, I, I practice what I preach and I, I, I have a business coach as well. And one of the things that uh, he drills into me is that uh, the transformation starts with the transaction. So you have I to like sell that. something yeah. first before you're able to you know do anything with it right you you can't you can't support the charities you can't make payroll you can't do the marketing you can't pay the overhead or the bills right. unless you have a transaction and that's what it's all about we're business and we just happen to sell really cool products is what right. it is so right so i i i love that i want to is do you have any last comments you want to leave anybody everybody with 
No, thank you so much for having me here today. Well, thank you. You've been a, a breath of fresh air for sure. And uh, it has been absolutely wonderful having you on board and getting your perspective from, uh, from an ownership standpoint. Folks, uh, let's thank Lynn for, for joining us today. Uh, I'm your host, Dan Chappelle, the wealthy travel agent. Uh, you can visit me at www.wealthytravelagent.com. Uh, if you're interested in buying the book, Get your ship together, The Wealthy Travel Agent Guide to Sales. It is available on Amazon and on uh, Audible for those of you who like to listen. And I hope you will continue to uh, join us. Uh, please click on the rating. And if you'd like to leave a comment, please do that uh, on your podcast of choice. And I look forward to talking to you next week.